Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I want to help you get a few, some words around what just happened. Um, because if you don't have an experience with the presence of God, it can be confusing because it can be good, bad, and ugly all at the same time. Let me explain. You know, Masha leaned in to speak a word over me, and I felt a word over her. I said, as you speak, I saw, you know, have you ever seen a uh, forest fire? There's a wind that the forest fire creates, and the wind is so hot Without any sparks, it will set the forest on flame. The wind is so hot, it will set the forest of fire, on fire. And so what I want to say is, is that when she began to speak, there was fire coming forth. Now, the problem is, um, who are my people who love a good, uh, like, cozy little fire in the fireplace? Yeah? Who here has built a, like a, a, like a, a campfire and... Uh, and you're my boys. You know what I'm talking about. You get a little carried away. And pretty soon, you have to keep moving back, right? You know what? You can't. You're like burning or you accidentally touch the inside of your pants and you're like, ah, right? The thing about fire is fire is comforting until it's not. And he is a comforter, but he is a consuming fire. And what happens is in his presence, everything that is of him gets comforted and everything that's not gets set on fire. The problem is we're a mixture, aren't we? So as we come into his presence, we're like, yes, this is everything I want. And we begin to think. And the image I got, I got this strange image. I was like, Lord, what am I seeing? I saw bugs just kind of crawling out of people. I was like, that's creepy. And then I was like, no, lean in. And what I realized is when a forest fire hits a forest, the first thing that happens is all the bugs get out of the trees, all the parasites. The first thing to go are all the parasites, the mistletoe, the, the creeping vines, all of those burn up. And many times a forest will actually survive the forest fire to begin again, and, but it will be purified of everything that is not good. When we stand in his presence, it's a burning fire. We say, I will not move. I will not change the subject. I will not move. I love the line, you know, we we see um, Hannah say, I'm just not going to move. I'm not going to move. I can't change the subject. I know what you've promised me, but this is not what I'm living in. I'm not going to be delusional. I'm not going to put a, you know, lipstick on a pig. This is not okay. You, Lord, there's more. And as I stand in that discomfort of the desire of God and the unfulfillment, he burns away everything that's not of him. But it takes courage to stand in that place. And so I honor that courage in you. As we go into today, I really want, um, Marina was speaking forth two lines. And they're so, oh gosh, made us thick up here. Oh, Ah, there were two lines. She was saying, she was said, let my life be for your glory. Let my life be for your glory. 
Masha said, we're made for the glory. We're made in the image of God. The image of God is the glory. And the more we look like God, the more we shine, the more we become who we are, and the more the world stands in awe of God revealed in and through us. Let my life be for your glory. But she said another thing. And now I've forgotten it. Does anybody remember it? What was the second phrase she sang out? Were you there? You can have it all. You can have it all. You can have it all. See, the funny thing is, when we hear God speaking over our lives and we become aware of who he wants us to be, the glory of God revealed in us, we can start to get... Anybody here, you heard the voice of the Lord saying, you're amazing, you're like, I am. But you can have it all. It's not for me. For to you, all glory, honor, and praise. As we begin to, st- as we stand before him, we say, let my life be for your glory. Let, I know I'm made for a purpose. I know I have a destiny on me. But oh God, not to me, but to your name be glory. Because one interesting thing is that, what I was drawn to this week is the very second, maybe next week we'll do the first one, the very second prophecy in the entire book about Jesus' coming is in Genesis 12, almost over 2,000 years before the coming of Jesus. If you've got Bibles, I really recommend it. We're going to stay in Genesis today. We won't do the whole book, don't worry. But we have this thing, we have, we have a guy in the middle of nowhere, we have this guy who, who suddenly, out, it's seemingly out of nowhere, it says, the Lord said to Abram, Abram was 76 years old. I don't care where you are, I don't know how old you are. I don't care how much you screwed up your life, today is your day. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land, I will show you. And he said, I will make you into a great nation. Imagine, I was like, Masha, I'm going to make the United States out of you. I will make your name great. Anybody like, sign me up. <laughs> right? You're like, I'm, I'm in. I will bless those who bless you. I got your back and I'll curse those who curse you. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. How, how many people? Okay. I got to tell you, I just realized this today. I've met some people with some very great calls of God on their life. And I met some people who had some very great ideas about themselves. But I've yet to meet anybody who said, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through me. That's like, I, I, that's big. Now, here's my question. Anybody here, you have a big call of God on your life? You have a big promise of God on your life? Okay, let me put it another way. That you see no way you can get from A to B. Yeah, okay, good. That's my people. All right, so here he is, and he's sitting there, and he's like, he's 76, he has no kids, he's, you know, he's been just living in his dad's house, you know, nothing going on, and God says, I will make you. And so, I love this line, so Abram went. Hebrew says it this way, he went out not knowing where he was going. Who are my people? You're like, yes, Lord! Where am I going? Right? You know, just there's the hunger in us. When we hear the cry of God, we hear who he says we're going to be. He says, oh my goodness. We're like, yes, I want to do that. I want to be a part of this. 
Now, here's my question for you. Before I'll, I'll give away the end before the beginning. All the nations are blessed through Abram. What is he speaking about, do you think? By the way, it's Christmas time. <laughs> Messiah, you win points. Jesus, he's saying through you will come the Messiah, will come through Jesus. Now, I have a question. Is there a gap between the promise and the fulfillment? I will submit to you, the larger the promise, the bigger the gap. Now, who are my people? You heard the promise and you said, I can do that. And you discovered you can't. Abram, he's like, he's like, Abram, filled with faith, goes out. It says he went as the Lord had told him and, he, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he went out from Haran. And he took his wife, Sarah, and his nephew, Lot, and all their possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived. Okay, guys, Abram had a promise. Notice Abram did not go out alone. If you have a promise of God on your life, that promise is not just for you and not just through you. You cannot fulfill the destiny of God apart from those he's put with you. You can't fulfill the destiny of God apart from those with you. I'll give you an example. I, I just, I have a calling of God to be a carburetor for Jesus. Carburetor, boys and girls, that's a part of an engine. I'm an engine. Masha's like, you are a carburetor? I've never seen that in you. I, can a carburetor fulfill its destiny by itself? No. No. No part of the car can fulfill its destiny by itself. Your destiny by yourself is meaningless. I was talking with Donovan. Donovan and Christina can't be here today because they're at a funeral. And I said to him, I said, we will, your voice will be missed. We will miss you. We will feel your absence because you matter. Now, the problem is, anybody known someone who had a little too much understanding of how much they mattered? <laughs> you matter. And, he said, and, and Donovan said, well, you know, there's two ditches on that, right? Individualism, I matter. And collectivism, only the group matters. In the kingdom, it's different. You have a unique vo voice. You have a unique expression of the nature and, and image of God in the earth that is desperately needed. But apart from me, you can't express it. Apart from each other, it's meaningless. You have a voice, but every one of us is a harmony. None of us is singing melody, boys and girls. Who sings the melody? Holy Spirit. We are all in harmony. And without him, our harmony is meaningless. How do I know? Because we were in Russia. And I'm the only one who can sing uh, in our house church. I was the only one who could carry a tune. <laughs> but the problem is I'm a baritone. Baritone has never been given the, uh, the melody line ever since the beginning of time. Baritones never sing the melody. And so I grew up never only singing harmony. So I'm leading with harmony. Do you know how bad it sounds when a bunch of people can't carry a tune, try to follow you and you're singing the harmony? Yeah. There's no melody. There's no melody. The reality is every one of us, we sing our part of the song, but it's in the context of everybody else. Now, Abram, I'll give it away. Abram has a call of God on his life that through him will come blessing to the whole world. Now, he doesn't know exactly how that's going to happen, does he? 
But we go on, verse seven, uh, chapter 17. I'm jumping over a lot. A lot of us, who here has tried in your own strength to figure out how you're going to fulfill your destiny and bumbled around in the dark and stubbed your toes? Yeah, Abram is, yes, thank you, Abram. He's, he, uh, it's so much grace. Isn't there grace for you? You're like, hey, I haven't, uh, yeah, I haven't done that, right? Okay, all right, verse 17. I love this. When Abram was 99 years old, verse 1, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am Lord, the God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. What are their numbers at right now? Two. Right? Two. You're going to fill all the earth. Two. Abram fell, I love this, Abram fell face down. Many of you guys fell, why? Because God showed up. Ah, God Almighty. Ah, when God says I'm God Almighty, it's not like God Almighty and it's like, when God speaks, what he says manifests. So if he says God Almighty, God Almighty is what he's experiencing, right? In a, in a, in a middle of a wind tunnel. And God said to him, Abram fell down. And he said, as for me, this is my covenant with you. And you will be a father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will now be Abraham, father of nations. And I will make you very fruitful. And I will make nations of you. And kings will come from you. And I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come uh, to, be, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Can I get that as a tattoo? Yes, yes. Anybody here, you got a word from the Lord and you want to run out and tell people, and then you realize they're going to think I'm a crazy person, right? There's nothing in my life. Is there anything in his life now that lines up with the promise? No. Nope, nothing. Does that deny the promise? No. no. Because the promise comes in seed form in hidden places within you. Then God said to Abram, as you, for you, you must keep my covenant and you and your descendants after you for generations to come. This is my covenant with you. You're to keep. It gets painful. By the way, if you want to step into the promises of God, it gets painful. Just saying. Things get cut off. For the generations to come... Whether born, ba ba ba, keep moving. We there's a lot of detail about things, thankfully, that are not applicable. Men are praising God. God also said, "As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai, princess, but call, her name will be Sarah, which means mother." Come on, I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations and the kings of peoples will come from her. And Abram fell face down. I thought he was face down. Anybody here, you fall face down, you get up, you're like, I think, okay, never mind, right? You know, he's just like, I got, oh, I don't got it, right? He said he fell face down and he, anybody see a disconnect? Why is he laughing? I'm glad they tell us. And he said to himself, did he say this to God? Okay, prepare to be encouraged. Will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child of, at the age of 90? Is, by the way, is, that's a rhetorical question, right? So why did he laugh? What do you think? Incredulous? He, huh? He had no children? Impossible, right? He didn't believe. 
God of the universe, God Almighty, in the presence of... And yet, he doubted because of the evidence in his life. Are you encouraged yet? Some of you had that experience right now in the glory. You had two things going on at the same time. Anybody? Wave a hand. Do you know what I'm talking about? Anybody been in the glory and suddenly you're like... Right? You get distracted by lies of the enemy, doubts. You remember those bugs coming out of the trees? The thing is, the presence of God both reveals who I am and the lies I believe. It aggravates. Another way to say it, he aggravates my demons. The things that are in me that are not of God come up in the presence of God. And so, it, some, is this a reason to shame himself? No, by the way. No, no. Well, let's just keep watching. And, and, and Abram said to God, I love this. I love this. Abram's, so Abraham, does, Abram's not on, uh, Abraham is not honest with God about his doubts. But what does he say? If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. You guys remember Ishmael when Abram decided, or Sarah decided to try to, because her desire was not fulfilled and in her despair, she got sick and tired and she said, go take my concubine. And that turned out well. Have you ever tried to get God to bless your Ishmael? Oh, no. 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 Even in that, his, the, the doubts he has are being expressed through this, if only you bless your Ishmael. And then God said, yes. What does that mean? What is he saying yes to? Well, let's find out. Yes, I will bless Ishmael. But that's not what I'm talking about. Anybody here have some mistakes and some failures? And you're like, well, God can't do anything with that. He can work with failures, but that's not his primary. It doesn't change the original calling of God on your life. The failures do not disqualify you and don't hamper his ability to bless but God is creative. And he said, yes, I will bless him. But your wife, Sarah, will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. Why is he called Isaac? He laughs. God says, he who laughs last. Right? He, God is not impressed with or freaked out by our, our fear or lack of belief or lack of trust. God is believing. But again, I can't say this enough. Abraham has no idea the size of the promise of God on his life, but he dumbs it down to what he thinks he can do on his own, and that doesn't work out, so it brings him to this place where he trusts God for the more. So this brings us to our last passage, chapter 18. So God went out to visit Abraham as you do. And I love this. I love the Jews are so confused about this because God shows up, but there are three people. But it's God, but it's three people. What's going on? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit out on a dinner date. You know, and they're out there and they come and they come into there. And I love this line, this line. What was my verse? There, verse 9. Thanks, goodness. I put it down. Uh, he, they ask, in the middle of this, where is Sarah? 
Now, guys, you need to know something about the ancient world. The ancient world was the most misogynistic thing you can imagine. You think you've seen misogyny? You ain't seen nothing yet. Like, literally, if you read the ancient myths, the heroes are who? <laughs> Women are the backdrop. Over and over again, you, you see that, that women, this idea of women and men together as hero and heroine together doesn't exist. Doesn't exist in the ancient world. This image we see of Abram and Sarah, two broken people. So by the way, how many people do they need to make a kid? Okay. Thank goodness your health class teachers will be happy. Two people. Two people. Everyone's like, I got to call a God on my life. And Sarah's like, good luck with that. It's not going to work, is it? The call of God on your life requires others. And so here is Sarah has her own call in this. It's unique and yet complimentary. They both have a call in this. They both have to say yes. They both have to go. Oh, who here thinks it's hard enough for me to say yes to God, let alone walk with other people who have to say yes to God? Well, obviously God's out of luck then. The most miraculous thing to me is God works with free will. Free-willed individuals who have the ability to say no to God. And he still wins. This is a mystery. But anyway, but we see Sarah and Abraham are two. And one of the things you see is over and over again. Do you guys remember when he went down to Egypt? Sarah disappears in the background. How do I know? Oh, she's my sister. But God, but God relates to you, not as the world does, but to who he says you are. And so Sarah, this is, this, I can't explain to you how utterly unbelievable is this, that the God of the universe comes down, having dinner with Abraham, and he says what? Where is Sarah? Why does God say, where is Sarah? She's part of the fulfillment. Let's get even, even lower on this. Why does he ask where she is? Because she's missing. God comes and Abraham doesn't invite Sarah to the party. Anybody see a problem? And in fact, God says, Abraham, you're, you're missing part of what's going to make this promise actually happen. She, there's another free-willed individual here who gets to make choices who has a call of God on her life. God, okay, bring her. And so she, she, he, she comes out. And what happens? Where is your wife? There in the tent. He doesn't even go get her. What is with this guy? If God can work through Abraham, women, <laughs> quit manipulating your man for Jesus. Don't make me come for you. Listen, God doesn't need your manipulation to help your man become who God called him to be. God is a big boy. He can work with your husband individually. Just saying. All right. Sorry to get up in your grill. Where is your wife? There in the tent. And then one of them said, all right, well, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will be with, have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, and, and which was behind her. And Abraham and Sarah were already very old. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. Seriously, menopausal. 
So Sarah said, yes, Lord, may it be to me as you have spoken. Sarah, because she was married to Abraham, had the exact same response. Sarah laughed to herself as she thought. After I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure of a child? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Remember, Sarah's listening. Why did Sarah laugh and say, I will not, I will, I, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Why did God repeat himself? So they listen? Because so she didn't believe it the first time. Don't worry. He it will keep coming with his promises. Sarah was afraid, so she lied to God <laughs> and said, I didn't laugh. <laughs> Guys, But he said, yeah, you did. <laughs> okay, guys. Abram and Sarah both laughed. Abraham and Sarah both tried in their own strength, did something creepy to make it happen. They screwed up a ton. And then when God came through with the promise, they lied, they, they rejected it again and again and laughed at him and then lied about it. You have a chance. You got a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. Yes, 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 yes. But here, hold with me. Hold with me. One of the things is this thing about ditches. We all, when God gives us the promise, we imagine how everybody else will be in the backdrop, bit players in our drama. And I will do this, and then you'll do that, and then you'll do that, and I will be carried in on glory. Nobody? Nobody? No! I mean, we don't fantasize about free-willed individuals who can make bad decisions. Who does that? That's horrible. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anybody here, you fantasize about having a child, and you're like, and they'll be amazing. We're just going to leave that right there. Lord, it'd be great if they didn't have a will of their own. That would just be great. Right. Um, no. So first of all, we, we do this. But the other thing that we fundamentally neglect is the concept of time. The, the role of other people and time. But more than that, not just the role of other people, the role of other generations. Now, something has happened in every generation since Abraham is they have believed that they are the cat's meow, that they've got it figured out. Why? Because they're better than the generation that came before. Do you know that every generation since Jesus thought they were the last generation? By the way, they weren't right. Well, they thought they, that Jesus would come back in their generation. Why? Because they're like, Jesus came for the restoration of what? All things, right? Well, we've restored everything. And every generation like, oh, we got God on lockdown now. Yeah, yeah. It, Martin Luther, whoo, we got grace. Now that we got grace, we can, Jesus can come back because we got grace. And then, and, then Mar and then the Wesleyans said, oh, well, now that we got holiness and grace, now God can come back. 
And the Moravians said, well, we got missions, so let's missions and grace and holiness. Now we can come back. And then, and then oh, 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 now we got the presence in the second great awakening. Oh, well, now he can come back. And oh, 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 now we got signs and wonders in, and, and, in, in Azusa Street. Now he can come back. And now, now we got prophecy. Now he can come back. And now he's got healing. Do you know what? No generation understood or valued what the next generation would bring of revealing the fullness of God. That's why every revival was rejected by the one before. Why? Because we're like, and that's why every young generation has judged the generation before. Because they have a different calling than the one that came before. But in the same way that none of us can stand alone, we need the full testimony of the entire church. Which is more important? Holiness or grace? Yes. Which is the most important spiritual gift? Correct. Which is the most, like, like over and over and over again, God will put an emphasis on something in a generation, but it's a part of the whole. Now, here's the good news. I, you need to hear something. There is a continual lie in every generation that this is the worst it's ever been. Guys, read your history books. Read, so there's a great, you guys, who are my, my uh, history nerds? If you probably know of a guy by the name of Tom Holland, he is an atheist. Uh, he's one of the most popular historians, genius guy, uh, British, uh, and he was just fascinated with, loved, almost worshipped the Greeks and the Romans, the Assyrians, all these great empires. But he started to have this revelation. He goes, they were jerks. Like they were, not just that they were brutal, but they were callous about it. It was might makes right. Whoever's in power, crush everybody else. Woohoo! And he goes, that's horrible. But we live in a totally different world. Where did that come from? And he had always believed the line from Gibbon in the decline and fall of the Roman Empire that, that the Roman Empire was destroyed because Christianity sapped it of its life. What he discovered is he was fundamentally wrong. The actually, Roman Empire fell because of its own stuff, but Christianity continued. And in fact, the culture we live in that is ever increasingly good, there is an increasing value for human life. There's an increasing value for the poor. There's an increasing value for caring for the least of these, for justice, for righteousness, is the direct result of the kingdom of God advancing in the earth. And he's like, whether you're an atheist or an agnostic, you just got a belly up to the bar. I think he might have slipped over the line into believer accidentally. Because he was literally preaching the gospel. He's like, well, this is what Paul says. And I'm like, yes, Paul says that. It was just hilarious to me. But here's the deal. Let me just say, just to give me two stats. I may have already mentioned this, but it blew me away. Sub-Saharan Africa's infant mortality rate is now at the level of Europe's was in 1967. The worldwide extreme poverty rate was cut in half between 20, 2000 and 2020. The world is better than it's ever been. The world is increasingly better, and it is simply because of the kingdom of God is advancing in the earth. But I have a question for you. Are we there yet? Good. I'm glad you didn't stutter. We're not there yet. But here's the problem. The enemy uses the promise of God to condemn us because we're not there yet. Abraham died with one kid. What was the promise of God? All the nations will be blessed through you. Isaac, better get busy. 
right? Oh, you will be a great nation. I mean, unless he has multiple personalities, Isaac's not a great nation, right? The reality is the gap between where Isaac was and where the promise was fulfilled is monstrous. It doesn't mean that the promise is not true. No. Does it mean there's not value in being obedient to God now? No. But if we are to walk into the promises of God that he has for us, for Christ in me, the hope of glory, that all of it says that all of creation groans, longing for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed, right? What Masha talked about, shining through us, that if that's to happen, you and I have to, one, we have to be willing to live in the gap in the middle where I recognize, one, it's not all about me. <laughs> it's not all about me. It's not about my glory. Whose glory is it for? His glory. It's not all about me. It's not all through me or up to me. And it's not all by myself. And it's not all now. In that gap, in that, in that horrible valley in between, the reality is you and I are called to walk with broken people. Why are we called to bro walk with broken people? There's no, there's no others. I mean, unless you've got something you haven't told me about. I got a secret. I'm perfect. God will only tie you to imperfect people. He will, but you will not walk in your destiny by yourself. You will not fulfill who he's called you to be any more than Abraham's like, I got this. Sarah, I'll bring you back a baby. Like that's not happening. It's, it's illegal. No, but you and I, we're called. And this is why John says in 15 verse 5, he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from who? Apart from God. We can't do it by ourselves, right? You can do nothing. Now, you guys might realize this, but in English... You is how many people? One. one or more. One or one or more, right? It could be plural, right? Now in the South, we say y'all. Okay, if we, this was a Southern, because in Greek, they have you, singular and plural. This should be y'all. <laughs> y'all can do nothing. You by yourself absolutely can do nothing. <laughs> you will do something, but it will be nothing. But apart from me, you can do nothing. But in me, y'all can bear fruit. But by yourself, who here found, has found that to be true in your life? You're like, you're like, okay, I'm done trusting people. They're just letting you down. I'll do this myself. Okay, it's not really working. Not all about me, not through only through me, not by me, not but it's also not now. And that ability to live in the part where I recognize with humility that I am standing on the shoulders of generations that came before me. I'm not better than them. 
God's just given me a specific calling to add to the full measure of the revelation of God's nature in this earth. And there are those coming after me who will add to that as well. And when we understand that not only do we live together in this, but together in the history of the world, then we quit trying to bring all of it across the line themselves. Aren't you glad that Abraham did not try to bring his entire calling on his life to pass in his lifetime? You know why? If he was to bless all the world, in his mindset, that would have meant just conquer everybody. How else are you going to get it done that quick? Times are times waiting. Who here, you've tried to speed up the promise of God? How's that worked for you? The surest way to speed, to slow down God is to try to speed it up. Right? You're like, and we're back to one. And we're back to one. But praise God, even our Ishmaels, even our delay, even our foolishness and speeding up, he will use, he will bless in his own way. So, Abraham had a calling that all the world would be blessed through him. Were there, was there anybody else involved in Jesus coming on the earth? Or was it, can we just all just give, give Abraham the glory? You guys seem confused. Okay, at least, his, at least Mary's involved, right? Can we get Mary some credit? But there were so many generations between Abraham and Mary that were part about bringing the Messiah to pass. You have a calling of God on your life, but even the calling that God has given you will be fulfilled by others. And that's what brings us to the biggest thing of all. If I'm to walk this, I have to walk in trust. Trusting God. And trusting you. Right? If I'm to walk in who he's called me to be, if I am to be the blessing God wants me to be or you to be to the earth, the only way that's going to happen is if I trust God and I trust y'all. And the only way I'm going to trust y'all is if I trust God (laughs) with y'all. Because y'all bite. (laughs) Right? Right? Trusting you, God, to keep me safe with fragile, broken people. I'm trusting you to have your way in me. I'm trusting you to, to, I don't even, Abraham had no clue what was needed for him to walk in his destiny. But trusting God, you know what I need and that you are faithful and that in due season, what does it say? Humble yourself. Under the mighty hand of God. God's got big hands. If you're humbled under his hand, where are you? Invisible. Most of the work God's doing in you and me is invisible. Even to us sometimes. Anybody? You're like, I don't know. I don't think he's done anything. (laughs) God's working. But in due season, what will he do? Lift you up. Any of us tried to lift ourselves up? How did that work? Right? I just want to say this. He, I said this last week jokingly, he is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness to be. And in this week, I think I got some revelation on that because it's really a, been an annoying verse for me, I'll be honest. He's not slow the way you and I think because for us, delay means denial. 
No, he's not slow like that. He's slow in this ever moving, inexorable force that God is moving forward and he's moving his purposes forward in the earth. And no matter how many stupid people, no matter how many Hitlers have risen up, no matter how many Idi Amin's, no matter how many ISIS, no matter how many whatever have risen up, God's like, I got this. And his purposes will not be thwarted. So who are you, little Israel? Who are you, little Israel, to think that you, he can be thwarted in your life? He is at work, even redeeming our brokenness. If we can have the worship team come up. I want to say this again, because the, the reality is me being who he's called me to be is not for me but for his glory. Because when I look like who he says I am, guess what? The world sees him. We have a joke with our men. If you give me a testimony about what God's done in your life, don't worry that I think you're boasting because I actually know who you are. I'm not impressed, <laughs> right? The reality is when it's all for his glory. And so in that, I come before you now, if we could stand, I come before you now with the promises you've given me, God, the call that you have on my life, and I bring it before you now, and I say, God, you can have it all, all my failures, all my delusions, all of my efforts, you can have it all. I feel like this is a prophetic word for many um, this morning. I feel like just like Abraham and Sarah, they were dead on the inside. The dream was dead. The dream was gone. But the God, was, God the Father was ready to birth something through them. Something that would change history. Someone that would change history. I feel like for so many of us, just like Lazarus, just like Abraham and Sarah, we've been dead to the dream of God in our hearts. And he's saying this morning, will you trust me? Will you trust me to fulfill it? And you can laugh. <laughs> you can laugh. You can cry. But will you trust me? <laughs> Woo! If that's you this morning, just raise your hand right now and just start receiving right now. Jesus, even though those things are dead in my heart, even though it's really hard for me to believe that this thing can be resurrected, even though it's very difficult for me to know how it will be. Come on, listen, trust is not a feeling, it's a choice. Trust is not a feeling, it's a choice. Sarah laughed, she didn't believe, but you know what? She did something about it. She didn't believe, but she did something about it. She trusted. That's what trust is. It's not about your feelings. Get over yourself. It's not about your feelings. It's like, I don't want to live this way anymore. I want to live for the calling that you have on my life, for the promise you have. I don't want to live in this box all by myself anymore. I want the life you have for me. I believe, help my unbelief. Some of you are saying, I've never even actually said yes to Jesus, but this is your day. Just simply say, God, I receive your life in place of my own. I receive your death on the cross in place of my sin. I don't want to do it alone anymore. I want your life in me, your will for your glory. Just put, put your hand right now on your heart and just invite Jesus. Just say, Jesus, I'm scared, but I ask you to breathe 
on promises, on those deep desires you've put in my heart, in the, on this calling that you have put in the depth of my heart. Jesus, just start resurrecting it. Just start breathing on it. Make it come alive, Jesus. Make it come alive in me, Jesus. I don't know how, I don't know when, but I am partnering with you right now. I am saying to enemy, you cannot have it. You cannot have me. I, can, I, my, I am saying that not my will, but yours be done, Jesus. Not my will, but yours be done. And I invite you to do this work in my heart. Just little steps of faith. Just as always, just ask him right now, Jesus, what do you want me to know about this, this thing you're resurrecting in my heart? About this dream, about this call, about this promise, about this identity, about this word that you are speaking over me. What do you want me to know, Jesus? I feel like that he is shouting like over people that it's not too late. I feel like he's shouting that it's not too late. It's not too late. It's not too late. Ooh, Abraham was a 100 when he received what was promised. And I said this last week, if this life is all there is, then it's one unmitigated tragedy. But if this is indeed the on-ramp into eternity, where everything we do in this life echoes in eternity, all that we do, what we begin here, we continue in eternity, then listen, some of you are being told it's too late to get started. Well, thank goodness Moses didn't listen to that. Thank goodness Abraham didn't listen to that, or you and I, I don't know what we'd be. But thank God, thank God, listen, if not for your sake, for generations to come, say yes to him it's not for your sake but for his glory it's not for your sake but that all the world may know him listen enough about you trust him with your promise and say yes to him and let him have his way father we come before you right now and lord we ask you show us that one step of trust just like sarah she did it probably not with good feeling but she did it god what is that step of trust opening the door to relationship with others, opening the door to life with others, opening the door of hope to you. What is that step of trust? God, give me courage to do it and give me friends I can share those steps with. Whew. Jesus, we ask you that you just, through this week, that you just continue speaking and breathing on the fire of those promises in our hearts, Lord, that we will get our journals out, that we will get our prophetic words out, that we will just dig in, that we will partner with you, that we choose to believe you again, that we choose to trust you again. Ooh. If we can have some uh, prayer teams come up, uh, Peter and I will be up here, just whatever else on the prayer teams is available to pray. Um, I feel like this is a big moment. I feel like if you just be, if Jesus has been speaking to your heart and you are daring to believe just that small, tiny little spring of hope, come up and, and pray with someone up here. Reach out to a friend or a spouse who are next to you and just say, will you pray with me? Will you believe with me? Will you believe with me? Will you partner with me in this promise? 
Oh, as we go into this beautiful Christmas season, um, just let's just continue giving him all the glory. And if you are a volunteer to rise, I'm waiting for you with arms wide open. We're waiting at our house. Um, if you need that, my address, um, reach out <laughs> um, on Friday at 6.30. Love you all. Have an amazing week. For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.